Hello, everybody. Welcome to yet another episode of the Bring the Sting podcast. As always, I am your host, Evan Birchmore, guys. And on today's episode, we are reacting to Mitch Kupchak's recent press conference, including takeaways from the main points that Kupchak made in his media availability, guys, as the Hornets get closer and closer to selecting their new head coach. We also had the NBA draft lottery take place last week. We'll be talking about all of it. And stay tuned. You don't want to miss it. A guest interview, a fantastic interview with Andrew McDaniel, contributor to Fansided Network with Swarm and Sting, the Charlotte Hornets Network with Fansided guys. Don't want to miss that conversation with Andrew McDaniel again. That's at the end of the episode. We're going to be talking Mitch Kupchak press conference, though, here to start things off, guys. And kind of just my main takeaways, he said a lot in a short amount of time. Uh, for those of you who saw it, it is available online. And he said a lot, guys, uh, but at the same time, didn't really give definitive answers on some things, you know, and he's limited in as much as, you know, he can't just go out there and say everything he wants to say, I'm sure. I mean, there's some limitations on what answers he can give. But that being said, guys, my main takeaways, the things that I thought were most crucial, first and foremost, guys, they have interviewed, he said, eight to 10 coaching candidates. All right, so if you just do the math, I mean, I'm, I might even leave names off, but we all know Darvin Ham, Mike D'Antoni, Kenny Atkinson, Terry Stotts, Sean Sweeney, Charles Lee. I mean, there's six right there. Uh, Mark Jackson, I don't think they interviewed. So again, there were six right there. Uh, Terry Stotts, if we didn't mention him. I mean, there's several guys, right? So eight to 10, okay, not going to really overreact to that number. I think we know the three front runners at this point. Mike D'Antoni, Darvin Ham, Kenny Atkinson. Again, D'Antoni, Han, Ham, and Atkinson. Those are kind of your guys right now. But eight to ten coaching candidates had been interviewed. Did mention that they would like to have a coach in place in the next two weeks, but definitely before the NBA draft, guys. So the NBA draft is on June 23rd. We are one month and one day away from the NBA draft. So do I think it'll be another month? Before you have a coach, I do not, because I think you need to have a coach in place to, look, he, he needs input on the draft picks. I mean, simply put, I know he's not the final say, but the coach, I would imagine, would like to have some say in who you draft, whether you trade away the draft picks. That's where that two weeks and that time frame comes into play. So again, moving quickly on that, I think will be important. Uh, and then if you believe, you know, that Kenny Atkinson is the guy for the job, he's still coaching right now. The Warriors are still in the NBA playoffs, so he's got a job to do right now. I know Mike Brown accepted the Kings job already. He's on staff with the Warriors, but, you know, is that a potential hang up or a potential, you know, roadblock to actually announcing something? I'm not sure. Just kind of, you know, spitballing here again, two weeks away from getting a coach, ideally, in regards to the draft picks, Kupchak said they will be exploring trade options. They would like to, you know, he said it's good currency, you know, for making trades, you know, in kind of the aftermath of that draft lottery. You already were locked into 15 with the Pelicans pick, courtesy of New Orleans making the playoffs. We've all been over that. And then you ended up with 13th. So your own pick is 13th out of the 14 lottery picks. Exactly where you thought you would be, statistically the most likely outcome. You didn't drop down, which is good. 
Uh, but I mean, would we have loved to get a top four pick? Absolutely. It was very unlikely, though. You had a 1% chance at getting the number one pick. You had about a 4.5% chance of getting a top four pick. So just not very likely that you were going to be able to pull that off. But you do have 13 and 15. So you have a late lottery pick and a pick right outside of the lottery. Literally the first pick after the lottery, 15. So you could move up if you want to. You know, there's been kind of rumors and, and, and scuttlebutt, if you will, about the Kings, and the Kings are reportedly looking to move off the number four pick. Uh, the actual report, it's via Jake L. Fisher. Uh, so Jake Fisher on uh, Bleacher Report reporting that there is a strong belief amongst rival teams that Sacramento will explore trading the fourth selection. Uh, either they're going to try to get an impact veteran or just trade down later in the lottery. Sacramento could be an intriguing trade candidate for Charlotte for a few reasons. Number one, they have an asset that I think you should be interested in with Rashawn Holmes. You know, a good center. The legal situation is now cleared up with him. A guy who I think you would be wise to at least kick the tires on. Sacramento is also potentially looking to move off of him because of the presence of DeMontis Sabonis. Now, we all know Indiana traded away Sabonis to Sacramento, and there was kind of a belief that Indiana was going to trade either Miles Turner or Sabonis, but not both. Does Sacramento kind of take a similar approach? You know, do they view Sabonis as their long-term center, therefore making Rashawn Holmes sort of unnecessary, I guess, on the roster, right? Is that a, a train of thought that Sacramento has? You know, they've not been known to be a particularly well-run organization. Uh, so I don't think they'd be trying to pull one over on you. I mean, I do think you could get a good value trade. I'm not saying you're going to, you know, rip them off or anything or, or fleece them, right? But, you know, you could get good value from them. And you have late lottery picks or a late lottery pick and a 15th pick there that's still very valuable right outside the lottery. So... You have ammunition and you have draft capital that they could be interested in. It also said, you know, an impact veteran. That was kind of a win-now move when they acquired Sabonis at the deadline. They sent away Buddy Heald. They sent away Tyrese Halliburton, who's a good young player. So do they look at a guy like a Gordon Hayward maybe or a Terry Rozier, even maybe a Kelly Oubre who, you know, look at kind of those veteran types and say, okay, we're trying to win now. We're trying to make the playoffs. They haven't been in the playoffs since, you know, the longest playoff drought in the league, trying to snap that next year. So do they look at a Rogier or a Hayward or an Ubre and think that could get them closer to that goal next year? Potentially, again, so Sacramento, keep your eyes out on that. Keep your eyes out on the Kings. I think that could be something that, you know, picks up steam as we get closer to the draft. Back to Mitch Kupchak. He also did state the playoffs are a realistic expectation for next season. Okay, I agree with him. I think most fans would agree with him. There was a sentiment that playoffs were the expectation this past year. You know, you were a good team. We're right there on the doorstep of the playoffs, second year in a row. And I think it's realistic next year. I mean, but I think the, the thing that I come back to is if you say that now, your moves the rest of the offseason – and during the season, need to reflect that. You can't be sending these conflicting messages where you, you know, say the goal is the playoffs, and then 
you know, don't really make the moves necessary to put yourself in the best position to make the playoffs, right? And I think at times last year there was some confusion. Maybe everybody in the building wasn't on the same page as far as, hey, you know, what's the role of the rookies? Are we going to try to win as many games as possible now? and not prioritize, you know, getting playing time for the young guys, or are we going to put them out there and we might not be as good this year, but we'll be better in the future. You know, I think there was maybe some, some disagreement, I guess, which leads into another point. You know, it seems like there was disagreement between management and coaching on the role of the rookies, in particular, James Booknight, you know, Kupchak saying basically to the effect of, you know, I thought he should have played more. I thought he was, you know, talented enough to play more. Look, I mean, he drafted the guy. Of course, he's going to believe in his guy. I think Book Knight should have gotten more run last year. I've said that on the show. He he flashed the ability in the times that he did get to play. I keep going back to that Sacramento game here at home where he went for 24 points, led you in scoring, and you won the game. Also grabbed eight rebounds, shot 56% from the field, 75% from three. I mean, it's hard to top that. That's a fantastic game, all things considered. And if you'll remember, that was when a lot of the guys were in COVID protocol. Lamelo was out, you know, some of the other guys. So Book Knight had to step up, and he did when called upon. But it seems like there was some disagreement there, and it's almost, you know, Mitch obviously isn't going to just come out and say something that's not true or something that, you know, make just he's going to try to paint it in a good light. I don't, you know... I'm not against him doing that or anything, but here's the thing. Disagreement between management and coaching on James Booknight's role. If you're going to say you think the rookie should be playing more, well, the expectation of playoffs has been created. So there's almost a conflict of interest wherein playing the rookies extended minutes is not always the best solution for maximizing your playoff chances, right? So that's where I come back to what is the goal? What is the philosophy? Make sure you're on the same page so you don't have this confusion next year, right? Like, is playoffs the goal above all else? Or is it playoffs would be nice, but we're also going to play the young guys a lot? You know, where where is that, where is that good middle ground between development of the long term and results in the short term? Because you don't want to be looking back a year from now and say, well, you know, James Booknight, still talented, but two years in, he hadn't really done much. Or, you know, if you hold on to your draft picks this year and, and whatever the rotation minutes shake out to being next year with those guys. So, again, the young guys, what is the strategy with them? What is their role on this team? I think that needs to be defined. I think it needs to be defined throughout the organization, not just from coaches, not just from management. I think it needs to be a consistent message across the board. Uh, Kupchak also did reiterate their plans to re-sign Miles Bridges this offseason uh, as he enters restricted free agency. Now, there's been a report out there about Bridges potentially, or, or rather, Portland having interest in Miles Bridges. Now, again, they're not they're not wrong to have interest in Miles Bridges. I mean, th- that's I'm not you know saying they're they're incorrect for doing that. But there's been the report that they're looking at him. And if I just look at that, if I was Miles Bridges, guys, obviously I'm biased. I'm a Hornets fan. I'm going to say he should stay in Charlotte, right? But but I just think even looking at it objectively, what is the benefit going to Portland 
if you are Miles Bridges. Like, I get why they would pursue him. I get why the Blazers would do it. If I'm Bridges, I'm wondering, okay, you're looking at a team in Charlotte where you're kind of a cornerstone kind of a guy. Like, you could grow with this team, with this core for years to come. You have great chemistry with LaMelo. The fans love you. You're a homegrown kind of a guy. You go to Portland where, you know, they were out of the playoffs last year. They were 13th in the West, 27-55. and 55. Obviously, they were without Dame for a lot of the years. C.J. McCollum got traded away. Uh, so, you know, are they trying to bounce back next year? Or are they saying, oh, well, we traded C.J. away, and Dame probably didn't like that, and so we're going to try to get him a second a second guy. You know, and maybe Miles Bridges, we don't have to really trade anything for him. And they're looking at it where he could be kind of that second guy to Dame. Again, I'm not faulting Portland for, you know, they're, they would be wise to look into it. But if I'm Miles Bridges, why would I go to Portland? Is that a better situation for me than Charlotte at the moment? I don't think it is. I mean, even there are teams that could make some sense for him. I mean, I know Detroit wasn't very good this past year, but he's from Michigan, you know, has that connection. So that would make more sense than Portland, I think, even though the situation might not be as good. I do think they have some promising young players. The Lakers, we know he's a clutch client. Now, the Lakers, I just don't think financially, you know, could pull it off. But we've seen crazier things happen. All that to say, I'm not going to put too much stock into that. Again, Portland, if they offer him, we'll see what the money is. Just I'm not seeing where it makes sense for Miles Bridges to explore that option. And so, I mean, certainly he'll have suitors. I mean, he's a fantastic young player, but I'm not thinking Portland is some vast upgrade over Charlotte four miles at this point in time, guys. And then the coaching search. I mean, it all comes back to that as well. Who are your front runners? I mean, we see reports. It feels like every day the narrative is, is shifting and changing and evolving. You know, as of two hours ago, Legion Hoops reporting that Darvin Ham's reportedly the clear front runner to land the Lakers head coaching position. That's per ESPN. Uh, so that's ESPN's report. Again, it comes back to two jobs are open right now, the Lakers and the Hornets. And I've said it before. I'll say it again. They're pretty much as different of jobs as you could imagine in the NBA. The Lakers are glitz and glamour and history and tradition. And they have LeBron and the expectation is championships. The Hornets do not really have great history, at least this version of the franchise. The expectation is not going to be to win a championship because I don't think that's realistic. And the, you, you know, you can't just go throw the bag at free agents and, and, and build your team that way. You got to do it through the draft. You got to do it organically. So pretty much as, and you're kind of, you know, the fans care, but it's not like a national season long sort of media frenzy, right? Like the Lakers every day, First things first, and Undisputed, and ESPN, and every show is talking about Lakers, 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 and Hornets, you know, you're not getting that kind of buzz, and and that could be a good thing. I mean, you can kind of operate in the shadows, and your, your, your rough patches and kind of the negatives don't really latch on in the news, and that can be good. I mean, that can be good. It's not like the Lakers this season where it all kind of fell apart, and it was on display for the whole world to see, right? So... In, in a sense, that can be good, but two very different jobs, guys. But there's three guys who are kind of, you know, at the top. You know, it's Dan Tony, it's Ham, and it's Kenny Atkinson. You'll be able to get one of those guys. Like, even if Darvin Ham goes to the Lakers, you'll get Mike D'Antoni or you'll get Kenny Atkinson, right? So 
just doing the math. I mean, there's two jobs and there's three candidates. So you'll get one of your top candidates. That's not, that's not a question. So you're in a good spot. Reports, you know, as of yesterday, pushback on hiring Mike D'Antoni in Charlotte. You know, some are believing that maybe Michael Jordan is wary of a such an offensive heavy philosophy from a coach. You know, so it's, you know, anything could happen. I mean, again, your your top candidates are all there. Again, you'll be able to get a good coach. The thing that I come back to is what what is the plan and what is the the vision, right? I mean, I, I think this is going to go several different ways. I think Darvin Ham is kind of a lot of what James Borrego was. Now, he could turn out to be a better coach for all we know, but it's kind of that, you know, player development. And obviously, I think the defense would be better, but, you know, it's not like D'Antoni's a win-now guy. I mean, he's 71. He's going to come in. You're going to put up points. But he's not going to be a long-term guy. I mean, he's just too old to be a long-term guy at this point. And then Kenny Atkinson, who's done it before as a head coach, now he's in Golden State doing some good things with that team. So there are different philosophies with these guys. And it comes back to what is the plan? Was there a plan when Borrego is fired? Or was that just an emotional decision that you made? And again, whether, whether or not that was the right choice, will will always be connected to who you hire. I mean, we're going to be looking back at this a year from now, two years from now, five years from now, saying, well, you fired Borrego, but you got, you know, let's just say Kenny Atkinson, and you became a consistent playoff team. It was a good move, you know, terrific. Whether or not it works out, I mean, what was the plan? Was there a plan? Was there a guy you kind of had in mind when that decision was made? I'm not sure there was. I mean, it's it's kind of getting to the point where it's seeming like you just moved on without a plan. And, and that would be, I think, a mistake. Whereas, you know, fire Borrego or keep Borrego, whatever. I'm not here to say that was a mistake. But if you did it without a plan, then it was. I mean, you have to have a plan of some sort and, and, and a consistent kind of message in your organization or else, you know, where are you heading? You know, what's the direction? So... That being said, guys, I mean, did get on a bit of a soapbox there, but again, kind of three main guys. Again, it's Dan Tony, and it's Darvin Ham, and it's Kenny Atkinson. So we'll see. And, and, and again, ideally, you know, as Cupjack said, in the next few weeks we'll have our answer because the draft's coming up and the clock is ticking. I mean, you, you need a you need a head coach clearly before the draft. So that will be something to keep an eye on, guys, as we get closer and closer to the NBA draft. And, you know, potential trades coming up, free agency after that. I mean, we got a whole offseason coming up. So very, very, very intrigued to see what, what occurs and what comes of that, guys. Keep an eye out on the news. I mean, things are always changing. If, for some reason, go ahead and drop this nugget for y'all. If, for any reason, the coaching hire is announced between now and next week, you know, in the middle of a week between episodes, we will record a reaction video, guys. We are not going to wait several days to talk about it. I mean, we obviously will talk about it on the, you know, for several episodes to come, but be on the lookout for that whenever the news does come down. Again, hopefully here soon, guys, because I'm kind of ready to start start talking about our next guy and start having some direction with the team. But just keep an eye out for that, guys. From 
from the show and from the podcast. All right, everybody, that will do it for this portion of the Bring the Sting podcast. Again, a lot to go through. Mitch Kupchak comments from his media availability, the coaching search, the draft, as I just mentioned, kind of, again, getting on a little bit of a soapbox there at the end of the episode about the coaching search. But, man, I'm just ready to start talking ball again. I'm just ready to start talking about a coach and strategies and kind of where this team is headed because I'm excited, guys. I mean, I am excited about the future of Hornets basketball. There's talent on this roster. There's talent that will be added to this roster. So I'm excited about it, man. I'm pumped. Uh, but we still got a whole offseason to go before that. So, uh, as always, keep it locked. As mentioned at the top of the show, guys, got a fantastic guest interview on this week's episode with Andrew McDaniel. He's a contributor with us over at Swarm and Sting, which is the fan-sided network Hornet site. Uh, for those of you who did not know or do not know, I am the site expert at Swarm and Sting. Uh, so, again, it's a fan-sided network uh, Hornets website uh, that I, I, I sort of manage. Um, but Andrew's one of our contributors there. Awesome interview with him on today's episode, guys, talking everything, Mitch Kupchak interview, uh, talking Hornets, talking the draft, the offseason. So I've got a fantastic interview for you. Stay locked in because you don't want to miss it. Uh, But as always, guys, thank you so much for tuning in, for continuing to listen and support our show. And until next Monday, go Hornets. Everybody, we are very excited to welcome Andrew McDaniel to the Bring the Sting podcast. Andrew is a contributor with us at Swarm and Sting, which is the fan-sided network Charlotte Hornets blog, for those of you who keep up with work over there. Uh, first and foremost, Andrew, how are you today? Glad to have you on the show. I'm doing well, man, and uh, thanks for having me. I'm excited to talk a little Hornets. Uh, you know, with the season ending not the way us Hornets fans wanted, it's, you know, drafts going up, so like, it's an optimistic time uh, for fans, so I'm excited to talk a little Hornets today, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. It's, uh, you know, you mentioned it, just the way that play-in game happened. I think we're all kind of ready to get that out of our minds and kind of, I'm almost like, I want the season to be here just so we can win a game and forget about it, you know, but obviously we got a whole off season to, uh, to take place before that happens, got the draft, got to hire a coach first and foremost, you know, still don't have a coach at the moment, but uh, we're going to talk about that coming up here in just a minute. But before we do, Andrew, uh, just kind of briefly, you know, what, what was your, you know, backstory as far as being a Hornets fan? How did that come about? I always like to ask every guest on the show, like how they became Hornets fans. Yeah. So I I'm from North Carolina and I I still live uh, in North Carolina and just growing up around the house, my parents, uh, they had the games on the TV. Um, they weren't necessarily diehard fans like I have become. Uh, but just a random night, you know, the game be on the TV. You know, it's your local basketball team in the NBA. So, you know, they tuned in and I paid attention a little bit. And things, my fandom kind of changed a little bit when the team drafted Kimba Walker in 2011. And at that point, I was about a freshman in high school. And I remember, actually, this is kind of funny, watching most of the games the year we went 7-59, and 59, and uh, which is historically um, the worst winning percentage ever in an NBA season. And, of course, everyone knows we went on to not even win the lottery and to get the number two overall pick, which is kind of mind-blowing. But, uh, like I said, watched during – statistically the worst season that we've ever had and uh and then the name changed you know a couple of years later maybe three or four I can't remember the exact number how many years later that was name changed and by then I was kind of watching mostly every game especially when I was home and um 
but I just kind of credit my fandom to my parents, you know, being local sports fans and just having it on the TV. That's about it. Yeah. You know, it's something that I've always mentioned with every guest on the show is Hornets fans in my mind are, are some of the best fans in the NBA because there's really no such thing as a bandwagon Hornets fan. Like it's not a team where if you wanted to pull for a team that's going to win a whole lot, you know, you're probably not picking the Hornets. Like, let's just be honest, you know? So when you find those fans, like they're die hard, man, like you and I, and you know, others that, that you know, are Hornets fans. So uh, you just love to hear stories like that. And you mentioned the seven and 59 Bobcats teams. I vividly remember, uh, I believe that was my freshman year of high school was the year they went seven and 59 and obviously you're expecting, okay, well, at least they're going to get the number one pick. You know, they'll get Anthony Davis, like slam dunk, number one pick. Everybody knew who the number one pick was going to be. And you get the number two pick. I remember I was at the gym and they had the NBA draft lottery on TV. And I just remember watching that just being so deflated. I mean, it was almost like comical at that. You just almost had to laugh. Like what, what are the odds? You know, you lose 59 games. You can't even win the lottery. But, you know, brighter days ahead, you got Kimba, uh, we're able to build, you know, a little bit of something. And now with LaMelo, I mean, it's, it's an exciting young core. So I do think the future is bright, but they got to get a coach first. And, and so we'll be talking about that here on today's episode, particularly uh, just a few days ago, GM Mitch Kupchak had some media availability. Uh, and he said, he said a lot, he said several things. Uh, but one of the more noteworthy things that he did say was that they've interviewed uh, eight to 10 candidates at this point, and that they would like to have a coach here in the next two weeks, but they're definitely going to try to have a coach before the NBA draft, which is coming up. You know, it'll be here before you know it. It's on June 23rd uh, this year. So with that being said, Andrew, who is your preferred candidate for the Hornets coaching job at this point? Yeah. So for me, it's kind of a tough situation. And, um, but I feel like I'm leaning towards Darvin Ham. I feel like we need a guy who is going to be here for the long haul. And, you know, Mike D'Antoni has been in and out of coaching for a while, like as a head coach. And, you know, D'Antoni's not the youngest guy in the world. And, um, but, you know, as a fan, I feel like a lot of fans really want that next young guy that's going to really be something. Um, and I, I think – I could be wrong here, but I think Ham's a defensive-minded guy, and, you know, that would definitely help out our woes that we have defensively that all fans know that we have. You know, offense, we're great. Defense, we need some massive help. And uh, if he could come in, you know, and be a young face and that's respected among amongst the players and provide some uh, help for our defense, I feel like it's a home run. Plus, you could potentially have him for the long haul as he he's also a former NBA player. And, uh, you know, that's another reason he would be well respected amongst the guys. So, like I said, I think I'm leaning towards Darvin Ham. That being said, you know, Mike D'Antoni, he'll bring probably an out of this world offense, you know, and LaMelo Ball would probably really thrive in his offense and really take his offensive game to the next level. That being said, the defensive side of the ball, I think. I would. I don't know if we would see much improvement. All star or something like that. All star defender. And, and um, like I said, we know we're good at offense, but we really need some help on the defensive end. And um, I really don't have that much of an opinion on like a Kenny Atkinson 
I know that he coached the net, has the head coach of the Nets like several years back. And is he a coach or a consultant with the Warriors now? I can't remember. But... Yeah, he's an assistant on the uh, Warriors okay. staff at the moment. It's funny because when I'm watching the games, I always see just like Mike Brown. and But I never – I guess maybe I don't recognize him or what. But um, I'm not opposed to like a Kenny Atkinson. You know, he's part of a winning team right now, you know, around a lot of great players. I'm not sure if he's offensive-minded or defensive-minded, but – and then those, I think those are the three, you know, Atkinson, Ham, and D'Antoni. If I'm not mistaken, it's been reported that they've had two interviews. And then, uh, you know, Terry Stotts, I think, has been interviewed just once. But, you know, he's a veteran coach who's had some pretty good teams over the past. I wouldn't be crazy um, disappointed with, like, a Terry Stotts. Um, but I would, like – I would prefer to be one of those for some people who either – former NBA player could be the next great head coach or three guys who have some head coaching experience, you know? Um, so that's kind of how I, where I stand. Yeah. You know, all, all valid points. It's I've, I've kind of had to pump the brakes on myself a lot of, you know, throughout this whole process where, you know, at first you're hearing Darvin ham and, and I, I wrote a piece at swarm and sting about Darvin ham profiling him. And I almost kind of talked myself into him being the guy. And then I did the one for Mike D'Antoni and I was thinking, okay, is he the guy? And there's very, you know, two very obvious things that are kind of, I don't want to even call them red flags, but, you know, concerns about D'Antoni. Number one, the defense, you know, and I went back through his Rockets teams, his son's teams, his Knicks, his Knicks teams were atrocious on defense. His son's teams were pretty much average and his Rockets teams were pretty much average. Uh, so that being said, I mean, even if you could just be an average defensive team, I do think he could do some good things. But again, you know, he's not going to come in and really be the defensive guy. If you move off Borrego because the defense was bad, and then you bring in D'Antoni, it's like, have you really solved the problem? And his age, like you mentioned, so he's 71 right now. So, you know, if you're thinking about, is he go, is this guy going to be here, you know, five, six, seven, eight years, like, you know, he'll be pushing 80 at that point. And I mean, 80 year old people, NBA head coach flying all over the country, you know, you're, you're sleeping in hotels and, and whatnot. I mean, I know it's, you know, they treat you well, but at a certain point, I, I do feel like people just kind of want to, you know, step back a little bit. So that is a very valid concern. Uh, Darvin Ham has a lot going for him. You know, he's kind of that perfect mix of young enough to grow with the team but not too young where he has no experience like he has valuable experience there with Mike Budenholzer in Milwaukee a, a, a discipline to the defensive side of the ball now obviously having Giannis on the team helps the defense like there is no Giannis on the Hornets right now so it's you know it's gonna it's gonna take some time in that regard but he has a good track record as well. And then Kenny Atkinson that you mentioned, you know, did some good things with the Brooklyn Nets when he was there. Really just didn't click with Kyrie, which we've seen over the past several years. I mean, Kyrie doesn't click with everybody. So I'm not going to really blame Kenny Atkinson for that. You know, Kyrie said that I think it was he and he and Durant said this year, like they don't even need a coach. They, they just can coach themselves. So I'm not going to blame Kenny Atkinson for not really succeeding all that well with with Kyrie he did some good things before with that team so again I I like him as well and the thing to kind of consider as well it's just the Lakers and the Hornets that are open you know Sacramento has their guy now so you're going to be able to get a good coach no matter who it is I mean even if the Lakers get Darvin Ham or Kenny Atkinson 
they're not both going to go there, right? So like you are going to get one of your preferred candidates. So with that being said, I mean, I think you're in a good position. There's arguments to be made for all three of those guys. Uh, but at this point, it's almost like I'm kind of ready for them to just make a move so that we can, you know, get to talking about, you know, who, who the guy is for next year. But very, very interesting. Uh, some good points, definitely. Uh, kind of segueing from that draft lottery happened this past week. So we get the 15th pick courtesy of the Pelicans making the playoffs this year. Thank you, New Orleans. Uh, and we end up with the 13th pick, which wasn't a surprise. That was the most likely outcome. You know, you had a 1% chance at the number one pick. I think it was like a four and a half percent chance at a top four pick. So you're there at 13th. So about what you expected. What do you think happens with the picks? Do you see a trade coming or do you think they sit still and take uh, take players at 13 and 15? So I think, you know, when you're – if you're – you have 13 and 15, you know, you're excited. You know, that's exciting. You got two lottery – or one lottery and one almost lottery pick. And you, you your franchise would have a chance to get two very good young players, you know, to hopefully transform your team. But I think that we're just in an interesting spot right now where we've really, like Mitch, – Mitch probably thinks this. We – We've tried the lottery. We've tried the draft. We had James Booknight last year, drafted 11th overall, if I'm not mistaken. Um, didn't see much time. And we have a pretty crowded roster, in my honest opinion, in the fact that we got guys like like James Booknight did not even see many minutes at all last year. We, we just have a crowded roster. I think that – and we got two picks. I would almost see – I don't want to guarantee anything, but I would almost guarantee that we don't have both of them. You know, I would almost guarantee that we don't make both draft picks because the roster is so crowded. And I think we've tried the draft. Let's try to trade those picks for a, a good veteran player. And um, I, like I said, I think we'll make a trade of some kind. I don't know if it'll be just for both picks or for one, but, you know, a glaring issue that all Hornets fans know that we have is at the center position. So if we explore a trade, uh, I would expect it for, to be a, for a big. And I've been seeing a lot of chatter. I'm going to name off a few players um, that uh, I might would like to see come to Charlotte. And um, I've been seeing, you know, on like Reddit and like Hornets fans, they, they would like to see a DeAndre Ayton move happen. And um, I'd be for getting the former number one overall pick, but I don't know what the logistics are and the details of that would be. It seems like it'd be kind of tough to receive him. I want to say I've seen something saying that you can't, you can't really do sign and trade unless you have um, – because the draft, I think, because free agency doesn't occur until after the draft. Is that right? Am I right on that? Yeah, there's been a Twitter chatter about it. So the logistics of it, yeah, the draft occurs before free agency. So it becomes difficult to, you can't just draft a player then, you know, contractually. Uh, again, I'd have to go back and look at the exact specifics, but I know what you're talking yeah. about. Basically, it's it's a lot more involved to get Aiton than people might realize it is. Yeah, you, and especially with those 13 and 15, because those are attractive to people who would, might would, I mean, want those picks. So you, you also, with the Aiden thing, you got to have assets as well. So, like, I don't know what that looks like, but I would be open to getting DeAndre Aiden. Um, you know, it's going to co be costly, but hopefully, you know, Mitch can work his magic. But another player that um, 
and this is probably an unpopular opinion, but uh, no matter what the contract is or anything, if we were to uh, to acquire Rudy Gobert, our defense would – he's an all-defensive – all-NBA – or defensive team, all-NBA all defensive player the past wh- however many years. He would immediately help our uh, defense, not just on – I mean, he can guard – I know he can't necessarily guard any point guards or anything like that, but he just holds people accountable. He's a great rim protector. He can't shoot, and I know his contract stinks, but if he was to be a Charlotte Hornet, we would be a much better team in my opinion, and um, he could potentially – I think if we were to acquire a Rudy Gobert, we would definitely be a playoff team. And um like I said, maybe an unpopular move amongst other Hornets fans. In his, he's getting older, too, but I still think that he's going to be able to do the pick and roll. He's going to be able to catch lobs, and you know his defense is going to be there. And um, this next one, you know, it's not necessarily the most flashy, but, um, like, he's not a scorer. He he doesn't do all that much on the offensive end. But, you know, a Jakob Pearl – uh, with his defensive ability and his rim protection would really help this team a lot. I know – I think people were trying to get him at the – a lot of Hornets fans wanted to try to make a push for him at the trade deadline. But, um, like I said, well, he's not going to – and also another thing about Pirtle is he's going to help your defense, but he's also not going to cost the arm and the leg that Rudy Gobert or DeAndre Aiden would cost. Right. Um, so, those are just a few guys that I would like to see us take a crack at with those, uh, with those picks. And it's not – there it's going to cost, you know, it's probably going to be those picks and a, and a good young player too, really. Um, but uh, that's kind of how I, what I would like to see maybe if we were to trade. Yeah. You, you know, like you mentioned, I mean, you, you just rattled off three names right there. There's other guys as well. I know the, um, with the magic landing, the number one pick, if they end up taking Chet Holmgren, they're probably going to have to move off Mo Bamba. That could be another you know, pretty attractive option. Jakob Pertl, there was talk at the deadline of making a move for him uh, down in San Antonio. Kind of the big fish that you that you touched on, Rudy Gobert and DeAndre Ayton. You know, Miles Turner has felt like he's been attached to Charlotte for ages in, in trade rumors. So, you know, there are options out there. Like, that. there's no – Rashawn Holmes with the Kings, especially now that his, uh, you know, legal situation is cleared up. I think he becomes a more attractive trade option as well. Sacramento as a team that acquired Sabonis from Indiana, who moved off of Sabonis, you know, all the talk was they'll, they'll move either Sabonis or Miles Turner, but not both. They wanted to keep one. Well, now Sabonis can run the center. So does Sacramento really need Rashawn Holmes or do they look to move him for other pieces? Uh, again, he's not going to cost as much, you know, as one of those big fish would as well. So that said, there are options out there. Uh, I, I tend to agree with you. I don't think they move both picks unless there's just some, you know, godfather offer that they make for a, a big fish. But I do think they'd be wise to move one because you said it. I mean, there's so much depth on this team. Your rookies really didn't get that much run last year with uh, between, you know, Kai Jones, JT Thor, and James Booknight uh, and Scotty Lewis as well. I mean, they, you know, Booknight and, and Jones and Thor flashed some good things in their limited action but there weren't really consistent rotation minutes for them. That's not even considering, you know, the guys who might come back, you know, Montrez Harrell, Isaiah Thomas, Cody Martin. And then you have your other wings, you know, Gordon Hayward, went healthy, Kelly Oubre, obviously your core guys, LaMelo and Miles and PJ and Terry, they're going to get minutes. So at some point you got to kind of clear some of that up, you, you, you know, 
you'd rather have like one high-end guy than like three okay guys. You know what I'm saying? It's all about kind of like improving the top end of the roster. So, I, you know, again, I would tend to agree with you on that. I, I do think they look to move at least one of these picks, if not both, uh, in a trade. It's been rumored that, you know, Gordon Hayward might – they might explore his trade market. I do think you'd have to attach at least one pick to get a team to take that contract. So, you know, whether they use it for that, whether they use it to get a center. And, again, you took Kai Jones last year. I don't think you're going to be able to take a center at 13 – and solve your problems. Like as, as high as some people are on Mark Williams from Duke, that seems to be kind of the one that's most attached to Charlotte there at 13. I don't think he's going to be able to come in and just fix your problems from day one. Uh, even if you move up and, and take, uh, you know, Jalen Duran, the, the, the kid from Memphis, who is kind of the, um, you know, he's viewed as a better prospect than Mark Williams uh, generally. I mean, like the drafts, the mocks and everything have him going higher. I don't think he's going to be able to come in and just fix your problem day one and if the expectation is the playoffs next year which you know we've all heard hey it's the playoffs you know that's why Borrego was fired we didn't make the playoffs then a another adding another rookie two rookies does that really get you closer like it needs to be consistent between what you're saying and what you're doing so that that's kind of where I stand on that so it seems like you and I are pretty much in agreement on that and talking about that expectation for next year, you know, Mitch says playoffs are a reasonable goal, a realistic expectation for next year. Do you agree with that? Is next year playoffs or bust in your opinion? I definitely do, but I've been saying that for the last couple, like honestly, the last, and I guess that's just me being a optimistic fan, but you know, this year was a crazy year because we were, two games over 500 we were on the we were the 10 seed so you know a couple of years back you know that gets you like a six or a seven honestly um but like past couple of years I've thought you know seven and eight were so weak in the east that we should with our roster just be able to squeak in you know be the seven or eight but um I I do think it's playoff for bust you know it's going we're going into Lamella Ball's third year and um, we really ought to see the team starting to amp up and getting, I would say, quite competitive. But on the other hand, we're still paying on Nick Batum's contract. So I think after next season, he's finally off the books and uh, we'll be able to breathe a little bit more when it comes to finances. And uh, who knows, like you mentioned before, we might explore something with Gordon if we were able to do that and then we get – Batum off of our uh, books next year. I mean, we should have a little bit of space, but you also got to save up for that LaMelo uh, extension, whatever it looks like and whenever it comes. But um, I do think that um, if we do pick up a player, like you said, like we talked about, if we trade one of our picks or both of our picks for an all-star caliber type player, I mean, I think it's got to be playoffs or bust. And um it'd be really disappointing if we were not to make the playoffs. But uh, if we somehow did not make it, we should have a little bit more space the next season to work with uh, some free agents and that type deal. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's playoffs or bust for me. Um, that's how I feel. I, I think it has to be. I mean, especially your own front office is saying it. You're firing the coach who, you know, say what you want about Borrego, like love him or hate him. 
uh, or neutral on him, you know, whatever. He did go from 23 to 33 to 43 wins this past year. So he was improving. Uh, the stat that blew my mind, he was the first, I think I'm saying this right, the first coach ever to increase his win total by 10 in consecutive years and still get fired. So I know they played more games, so it's not exactly apples to apples comparison. He had more games, you know, available to win, I guess, if you want to say that. But I just think it needs to be consistent. Like if you're saying we're going to go for the playoffs, go all in on the playoffs, then your draft philosophy needs to be like that. I mean, you know, trading picks for veterans, your free agent acquisitions, even your rotations need to reflect the goal of making the playoffs. And you've been a play-in team both of the past two years, 10th seed each of the past two years. It's kind of time to take that next step. You see these other young star point guards. Uh, you know, I've pointed it out before. You had Trey Young in his third year. They make the Eastern Conference Finals uh, just last season. John Morant in his third season, which was this year, they tied their franchise record for wins, and they get to the second round. You know, really, I think they could have beaten Golden State. I mean, if he doesn't get hurt, and if uh, Dylan Brooks isn't suspended in that series, I, I think Memphis could have gotten him. You know, we'll never know. But again, a fantastic season for the Grizzlies. The Hawks had a great season last year. So is it the Hornets' time next year in his third year? We've seen year three is kind of that year where, you know, you know they're talented, you know they're great, but it kind of starts to translate into winning in year three. And so, again, I, I mean, I'm on board with you as well. We'll see what the East is like next year. I mean, that's a great point you make as far as the East was good this year, man. I mean, the Raptors were better this year. The Cavs were really good. The Bulls were good. The Celtics became amazing after the, you know, in the second half of the year. So there were it, there was so much depth in the East that you end up winning 43 games, but you're the 10th seed. You know, it blows my mind. I, I've said it on the podcast before, but I did some research on this back when the season ended. 43 wins by a 10th seed. That was the most wins by a 10th seed, East or West, since the Seattle Supersonics in, I believe it was 2001, 2001 or 2002. So basically, you were the best 10th seed in the past 20 years by by record. So, I mean, you just chose a bad year, I guess, to, to get 43 wins. But that being said, you know, everything from what the front office has said to the coaching move, looks like they're making it a playoff or bust year next year. Uh, so, I, I, again, I think it needs to be as well. Uh, going into that, a big piece of, you know, getting to the playoffs next year will be Miles Bridges. As we all know, he's a restricted free agent this offseason. Just straight up yes or no, would you give Miles Bridges a max? Yes, but. <laughs> so, I would bring Miles back on a max deal. If we have to, that's the beauty of restricted free agency. He's going to be highly sought after as he should be. Um, there are teams that are going to throw lots of money his way. Okay. We, I do think someone will probably offer him a massive deal, but let's just say maybe, maybe he doesn't get offered a max deal um, from another team. So that kind of, I want to say that kind of helps us out a little bit. And the fact that, Maybe we'll be able to save a little bit, not quite give him the max. But if it's between letting him walk and keeping him, I think we do have to give it to him. And I think the duo between him and LaMelo is too strong to let him walk away. And um, this is bad. This is, a ne this is a negative comment. But 
if we do let Miles walk, I feel like the chances of us retaining Melo beyond his first contract would decrease. And I know fans don't want to hear that, but I think it's just a fear that I have personally. Um, I think that retaining Miles is a bigger part of LaMelo staying in Charlotte than people would think. And, um, you know, Miles has gotten better every year of his career, and he took a massive jump this year. And I'm, he's a dog, so I'm confident that he's going to be in the uh, – he's going to stay in the gym all summer. I think that he's going to continue to improve. And uh, I think that if he – if we have to give him the max to keep him, I think we should do that. And um, I think that it will be worth it for us. So that's that's the part of the argument that I want people to understand is exactly what you touched on, the whole LaMelo factor. I mean, I, I know there's fans out there that, you know, whatever, like are only LaMelo fans and they're not really Hornets fans. And there's other people who kind of resent that. But he is your franchise player. You need to get – I've said it before. You need to give LaMelo reasons to stay in Charlotte beyond just the fact that you drafted him. You know, and if he likes the city of Charlotte and likes his teammates and whatever, that's great. But you need to give him basketball reasons to stay. Like you need to be a competitive team and you need to be making moves that reflect that. You can't just, you know, hope that he just really likes Charlotte and he loves, you know, the weather and he likes going to Carowinds or whatever and he just decides to stay in Charlotte. So, like you say, that chemistry he has with Miles, or Miles's chemistry with LaMelo, that young core growing together, you know, you have a good thing going. Like, the intangible value of that, I think a lot of people might not be totally realizing. So, again, if, if he gets offered it, you match. If not, you negotiate. You know, I've seen there, there's a report that Portland is going to be interested in him. I really don't know why he would. I don't think that's a better situation than Charlotte, you know, to go to Portland where it's Dame and not a whole lot else. And we don't even know if Dame will be there long-term uh, really, if there's anywhere, maybe the Pistons because he's from Michigan, but again, they were not a competitive team last year. They're getting better young guys, you know, but there's not some obvious place out there that makes a whole lot of sense. You know, you maybe would think the Lakers because he's a clutch client, but <laughs> how are the Lakers? There, there's no way they could get him, I don't think. I mean, just the the financial, like, just hurdles they would have to clear to do that. So I do think Charlotte is, you know, a really good option for him as well uh, as far as, you know, being in a spot where he can flourish. So hopefully we'll see him back. I mean, if I had to bet on it right now, I think he'll be back next year, as all the reports and everything as well. But, you know, it'll be something to keep an eye on for sure, as will James Booknight's sophomore season in the NBA obviously not the the rookie season that he wanted or that fans wanted uh, what do you see book Knight's role being on this team next year so last season selfishly as a fan and a lot of fans can probably agree with this but I wanted to see him out there you know you draft him 11 overall I want to see him out there every night I don't care if it's five minutes I don't care if it's 10, 20 minutes. Okay. I want to see our first round pick out there. And I understand if we're like getting a ton of production from somebody else, but in some of those games where, you know, the game's slipping away, you might need a spark and book not can bring a spark to your team. But, you know, for the first part of the season, I wanted to trust in Borrego and, you know, being patient with book Knight, but, 
toward the end of the season, I got kind of impatient and I was like, this guy, he needs to be playing. He needs to be at least just getting a few minutes a game just to see if he can provide a spark to our team. You know, he's such a good athlete. And um, next season, I do expect him to be in the rotation. Um, and I expect him to make an impact on winning. I don't know how many minutes he's going to get. I don't know what number off the bench he's going to be. But like I said, we already know we have a we have a crowded room. I mean, we have a – I think that a player almost has, has to leave for him to get in the rotation, though. Because unless he's going to – because we don't – we still don't – unless we bring Isaiah Thomas back, we still don't really have a backup point guard. I think if Thomas doesn't come back – um, I don't know. If, I don't think Book Knight is necessarily. I don't think he's going to be the backup point guard. He, he, he's probably better suited as a two. But I do think that he's going to be in the rotation. I don't know how because I, there are just so many bodies on the team. And I, I guess somebody like I think you know Cody Martin's a restricted free agent. Like I really like Cody Martin, but. If we have him, you know, we still have Oubre as well. So, and they're both going to come off the bench most likely. And then you have Gordon, who if we don't deal him, he's going to be starting or he's going to be playing heavy minutes. Um, so, I don't know where he fits in, but I think he will. I don't know if the team chooses Book Knight's future over Cody Martin's defensive ability. And if we don't find that big and we do lose Cody Martin, our defense is going to be worse next year. So, um, it, it's a t- it's a – interesting uh situation that mitch is gonna have to deal with and uh but i'm confident that he's gonna do the right thing and uh we'll get it figured out and that book night is gonna play for us um unless he gets i mean i don't know what mitch thinks well mitch actually in that article it did or his press conference it came out that he he want he thought book night should be playing more is what i think i saw and right they had a disagreement about that but so if, if mitch likes book night I'm sure he's going to uh, put him in a position to get some minutes, but uh, we'll see. It's an interesting time. Yeah. As you mentioned, I mean, just where are the minutes? Uh, you know, clearly you need to give him minutes for development, for his psyche, just like get him back on track. Right. But even just the backcourt guys, like not even considering the front court, you look at, you know, Cody Martin and Isaiah Thomas and, you know, Ubre is a wing, but I mean, he, he'll come off the bench as well. So where are those minutes? I mean, it's almost like kind of an imbalanced roster, which which we kind of are all aware of. But, you know, if you're able to flip some of those pieces, maybe you have to include a draft pick to shore up the center position. The the kind of secondary benefit of that is that you open up minutes for book night where he's not just sitting on the bench. You know what I'm saying? So that's, you know, and the potential is clearly there. I mean, he was a lottery pick a year ago that wasn't by mistake. That wasn't an accident. I mean, even you look at the game he had back in December when everybody, when LaMelo and, and several others were in the COVID protocols, you had, you had to have book night. I mean, he had to play for you and he came in, he led the team in scoring 24 points. Uh, he shot 56% from the field. He knocked down six out of eight threes. Uh, he had eight rebounds. They won the game. Now granted it's Sacramento. They weren't a great team, but he's, he's shown he can do it. You know, he, he streaky, yes. I see him really maybe best fit being that kind of bench guy, like coming in and, and just kind of being that spark plug, if you will, coming in off the bench, which is a valuable piece. I mean, that's that, that does have value in the NBA. So I'm interested to see. I mean, I, I, again, I'm 
I'm, I'm still a believer in his potential. I've seen a lot of mock trades that include him, which would lead me to believe that, you know, maybe they're trying to sell high on him before a whole nother year goes by. But I, I would just like to see him get the chance just if, if for no other reason than I felt kind of bad for him this past season where it maybe just wasn't the best situation. I mean, there really wasn't an opportunity for him last year. We'll, we'll see if it's different this year. It's a good, it's a good problem for a GM and coach to have. I mean, it stinks like trying to find those minutes, but like that just, you know, you got guys that are solid. Cause if we had like some jabronis like that out there, like he would easily be the, be the guy, but it's a good problem to have, but it's also a tough way to figure out the best way to, um, you know, lead your team to success. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, good news is they have a whole off season to figure it out. So, you know, come, come, Come next year, hopefully, you know, we'll have a little more clarity on the rotation, the roster. Obviously, we'll have a coach by that point. So they'll be ready to rock and roll. Uh, Andrew, we'll go ahead and get you out of here, man. But before we do that, uh, go ahead and tell the folks where can they find you, uh, especially on Twitter. Go ahead and drop your handle so they can drop you a follow. Yeah, so my uh, Twitter handle is Andrew McDaniel one, like the number one. And uh, I don't, do capitals matter? I'm not sure. I don't believe they do. Okay, so it's just Andrew McDaniel one. Yep. Awesome. You guys make sure to go drop him a follow. It's a good follow. Lots of good Hornets content. Uh, Panthers content as well, if I'm not mistaken. That's right. Good deal. Well, Andrew, thank you so much for joining the show, my friend. Had a great time talking Hornets. Hopefully we'll get you back on here soon enough. And uh, we'll be talking draft. We'll be talking new coach here hopefully soon. I mean, I'm kind of ready for the news to come down. I feel like every day this past week I've been checking Twitter like first thing in the morning, hoping that one of those days I'll get a notification like breaking news, you know, new coach of the Hornets hadn't come yet, but soon enough, soon enough. Yeah, it, it will be soon. And, yeah. uh, and like I said, those three, you know, I'll be happy no matter what, but uh, I am ready for that day. Thanks for having me on, though, man. I had a had a blast. Yep, absolutely. Same here. We'll do it again soon. All right. All right. All right. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in to this week's episode of Bring the Sting. Till next Monday, go Hornets.